Hey, and welcome to This Creative Life, conversations with creatives on creativity and how we can cultivate, inspire, and nourish our creative souls. In today's ep, I chat with Jade Rennie, designer and owner of The Brainchild, a design studio based on the south coast of New South Wales in Australia. Because we're IRL friends, our convo goes to many places, flowing from tangent to tangent, beginning with Jade's creative journey of building an incredibly successful one-woman design studio, to exploring how mental wellness can impact our creativity, running a business, motherhood, and everything in between in a really refreshing and relatable way. Jade! Katie, <laughs> tell me, <laughs> I, I'd love to hear your, all about your creative journey. Where, you know, how did this all start? Okay. Um, <laughs> this is the, I lose track, my fifth year in business, soon to be sixth, um, having my own little design studio on the South Coast. When did it begin? So I've always been very creative after high school, I did TAFE because I didn't want a hex debt and I wasn't like, I wasn't very sure on what I wanted to be. And there was so much pressure on who you were going to be after high school. And it just overwhelmed me, to be honest. And I didn't know, uh, I knew it was going to be something in the creative field. So uh, I started fine arts illustration. It was just a TAFE course. And there was a module on graphic design which I just really loved but it actually deterred me from following any arts so (laughs) once I finished I did a 180 and was working in sales and retail and marketing so it kind of ruined me in a way for I don't know it just I felt like they taught the right things but there wasn't support for afterwards like actually going out into the real world and applying those skills and there was no support around how much rejection you'll get so that's what I struggled with and I just didn't deal with it I got a few no's and I just thought I was the biggest failure and yeah I (laughs) I did I used my other side of my brain so sales and marketing and retail and I was good in that it was like a little my little safe bubble even though it's not wasn't using all of my skills and abilities so I think for the next nine years after TAFE, I did everything but art. And then it was only once I was actually pregnant with my first and the business I was working for at the time, I was working as a buyer for an online store. It was really cool. I really liked it. I love interiors. And the business went under administration. So I had to reapply for my job. And I think for memory, it's not the best memory, but I was around six months pregnant. So I felt like a huge liability and like, why would they want me? And um, I just hated that because I felt like I'd worked so hard and someone could just take it away from me. And I know there's no guarantees or certainties in any job, but I thought that was the first time where I thought maybe, maybe I could do something of my own. And it wasn't, It wasn't a clear idea. It wasn't going to be a graphic design business. The first business idea was actually um, a website on teaching people how to do craft. So it was more of a DIY tutorial type of, what's the other one, craftsy, sort of like but more upmarket. And I was collaborating with House, Two Zs, and I was loving that. And that was really creative and was also a lot of copywriting. And I really liked that. It was a really nice step away from that world that I was in and then I kept getting these design requests from friends and then (laughs) it became more and more and I was doing a lot of free design work and then it got to the point where I had so much design work and I loved this thing it was called Haven this website I built and it had great traffic and and all that and I was doing two of these things at once and it just, I had to make a decision because I wasn't doing either one very well. I was just sort of like keeping, like treading water. And I made the decision to start The Brainchild and I had the name, I don't know where, but I just like knew it was going to be called The Brainchild. And I just deleted the website. I didn't back it up. <laughs> I just literally deleted all the web files and I felt like such this <laughs> weight lifted off my shoulders. And that was three years worth of work in this website in my first business that I just deleted and it was a real line in the sand. I'm not doing that anymore. I can't do that anymore. (laughs) 
And yeah, so the brainchild was born. Um, I was charging really nothing at the start. Um, looking back on it, I shake my head like, come on, Jade. And I made so many mistakes, <laughs> so many. But the fifth or sixth year now, I can safely say that I have definitely found my groove and I can understand the transformation I give my clients and I'm charging you know, I don't don't like saying charge for what you're worth, but I'm charging for the transformation of my clients. And yeah, that is the little summary of the creative journey. I hope that's answered. <laughs> you okay? Look, I think we've definitely bonded by having that same kind of, you know, creative start and then getting rejection, not feeling like it's going anywhere and then going into a more corporate air quote, safer space where we don't have to deal with that kind of emotional, personal kind of connection to not as raw that we not create. Heart on the table. But it's it's quite interesting when you kind of get to that point where you realize it's kind of make or break or whether I actually change my life and change my career into a space that I want to be in rather than just kind of running away from what you really love. Mm. I'm really good at the avoidance behavior. <laughs> <laughs> Very good at it. And it does, it takes kahunas to put your work out there to be judged and that's what design is. And I say this every time I'm out around Kayama and Barry, and like I'll be somewhere with my husband and I'll be pointing out, oh my gosh, Jade did that. That's Jade's brand. When I was in Barry, when lockdown wasn't happening down here, <laughs> please come back and let yes. us like open up. <laughs> but I decided to pop into the Barry tea shop and I had been in there quite a few years ago before we moved down here and it had a very different brand. Yeah. And so this was the first time going into the store and seeing all of your beautiful creations, your branding and all the packaging design and everything. And like, I'm not just saying this because we're friends and you're here right now, but like, I truly was in awe of something that my friend created and how com- it, like it just spanned, like it was just its own little ecosystem actually <laughs> just created and- a great space Paulina and Cliff from the Berry Tea Shop shout out they've yeah. done amazing and I was yeah, very privileged to be a part of that project but it's I think for me it's also you know you've come to this point in your journey where you started your business based on the fact of like it's time to do your own thing it's time to run your own show mm. and the absolute success and like you truly are a powerhouse in my mind like I truly admire you and everything that you've done because I know that there's things that I personally would just be paralyzed by so I guess like how surreal is it seeing your work in real life all around you yes yeah it's it's phenomenal that pinch me moment I still get it the berry tea shop was a huge project I've also worked with a hair care line so the products are actually in my bathroom. And so <laughs> every time I wash my hair, I'm using this product and it's got my branding on it. And I I don't know, it is it is surreal. I don't know if anyone can get used to it. It's really, really cool. I love packaging. It's design in 3D. Yeah, it doesn't get old. And I still, I don't know if it's the imposter syndrome in me, but I still can't believe people trust me to do this for them it's massive and I love it I love packaging so much and it's from the initial discussions with the clients to actually being able to hold a physical product is like full circle it's great yeah it's as I said like the feeling that I get when I'm not even just name dropping (laughs) but just like just walking into like white earth and stuff like that and just knowing that you've had your hand on this and I totally say, my friend's Jade. (laughs) Hair flip. And they're like, oh, like, and, you know, technically I'm a fellow designer and I'm in the same area as you and there's a potentially competition there, but it's like, I'm just so proud of you. It's awesome. Nothing but support, vice versa. And I think that's how we've connected online. I I really, I think it's community over competition always. There is so Mm -hmm. much work out there. There's healthy competition but also I've never been one to be a closed book if someone asks me a question Mm. online I'm really open and honest and there's no real secrets on my end I think what I value is the support from other designers like yourself and Mm. you are my lifeline because no one gets it like another designer 
So for anyone listening that sort of feels all alone, definitely reach out and there's lots of networking groups. She Mentors has been a really amazing new thing that I've started. Just the support of someone in your field, it shouldn't be looked at as competition. I can't talk to them. They're the people that you need to talk to the most. I love that. And I, it's, it's really interesting how everything's kind of evolved at the moment where we're seeing so much more openness yeah. and so much more vulnerability. And I know when I first started, we started our businesses around the same time. And I remember, you know, following a whole bunch of American designers and they always felt leagues ahead. Yeah. And that was kind of because they were, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the sense of, <laughs> in the sense of like actually being established and stuff, but it felt like you could not talk to them. No, and it felt like you could like even just be a friend. Thing. I feel like it's a new thing that you're able to be more vulnerable online mm. and being, you know, sometimes authentic to a fault and talking about your struggles. I, I don't feel like that was five years ago. I don't remember mm. having seen those real conversations online. Absolutely. Like it's definitely like an environment on on Instagram, especially where you kind of know that, you know, there's definitely a group that's the 10K month. There's definitely the group yeah. of the hustle. There's definitely a group of ease. There's definitely the group of just making it art, you know. So yes. there are all these little kind of clicks, if that makes sense. But I think it's about kind of finding who's really going to uplift you and support you. I know it's hard to kind of consider unfollowing someone, you can always hide them. It's, it sucks. <laughs> but, it, you know, sometimes you just need to to actually just be more connected and a part of the people that are going to uplift you up and not hesitate to actually reach out, ask for help, vice versa, yeah. all that kind of stuff. On that then, mm-hmm. for, for many designers like myself, print design is scary. I am a digital designer all the way. Yep. We did learn a little bit when I was studying in Shillington, but it was you know, like a week or two week and it was done. And I have like massive control and trust issues. Mm. So, you know, how did you find really? me? <laughs> be like, no, Never knew really? that. no, that's, that's unusual. Uh, how did you like find your feet and your confidence when starting to work with print and like in such big scale print as well? Yeah. So, when you say that it scares you, it really scared me as well. And I know that feeling. Oh, at the start, finding that right printer or finding that right manufacturer is a landmine. It's just trial and error and being able to find that person that is willing to work with you on like your vision of what you want it to actually be like. Because a lot of them are like, no, this is what we offer. These are the packages or minimum order is 5,000. We don't do samples so at the start anyway before you can get some contacts that you trust at the start just always get a sample it's expensive getting the sample sometimes it's $50 to get like one sample sent but it's worth the headspace knowing that you're not going to get you know 500,000 duds so (laughs) I definitely always push my clients to invest in that sample I always try to work with the manufacturer on the specs that they provide that way they're not trying to make my design fit their template and that can lead to skewing and something's not quite right you know like something's happened along the line so I do always ask for their manufacturer's specs and then I design to it always ask for a sample and just just do it you know I think at the start I really just didn't know what I was getting into (laughs) that's probably why I said sure I could do that (laughs) googled it later That's what I love about you, though, that you're very like, sure, I'll figure it out later. You don't hold back on that where I'm just, for me personally, I'm just like, okay, what are all the things that could absolutely go wrong? And no, I'm not doing that. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I don't know, have a contract too that I always say that in case there is any printing faults that I am not liable any typos that is on you to check. I know my my skill set and it's not grammar and copywriting and copy editing. I'm not it's not my wheelhouse. So I actually have in a section in my contract and I highlight it too when it's at the proofing stage that if anything does go wrong, it's on you. Um, I'm more than happy to help negotiate if worst case something does go wrong. I think having that line that it's really clear that I am helping you with this and this is a third party, the printer, 
and I am just helping you uh, communicate to them. So it's not me printing with your money. It's someone else. I'm helping you with that. And I think for that, it's helped me get over that fear because there's a lot of things that can go wrong. Of course there is. And it's a lot of money. A lot of people don't understand printing and manufacturing custom plates is a big investment. Absolutely. I think that's kind of one of the reasons why I'm scared. It's just such a beast of a job. Because you do so much, how do you prioritize your creativity and your creative passion projects between client projects and juggling motherhood and just trying to take care of yourself? Well, I don't really need to prioritize wanting to work because it's such an escape for me of real life. (laughs) I really do feed off the energy of that new business owner. They're so passionate. They're so excited to start. And I love that. And I'm just as excited to work with them on that. So I don't know. I don't need to really prioritize. If anything, I need to prioritize that downtime and actually spending time being a wife and a mother. That's something I really need to work on to be really present because um, a lot of the time I might be trying to do both and I really need to do one or the other because not easy, that whole juggle of being a business owner and a mom. I don't do passion projects. I just don't feel like I need to. I just am really lucky. I've got some really great projects. I just don't feel like, oh, I need to do that for my portfolio or anything. And working four days a week on my downtime, I don't want to do more creative work. I find like when I do step away from the creative work, that is my way of keeping that creativity alive because I'm not burning out, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, that's so interesting because Sian actually brought that up in the last episode. She actually said she finds it more inspirational to step away from her laptop. And it's quite an interesting thing because we kind of, and I, you know, I mentioned this in that episode that it's interesting because you kind of think to be inspired, you need to, you know, be on Pinterest and you need to be looking at inspirational things. And that's absolutely a way of finding inspiration. But I feel like sometimes that break away from looking at your computer Mm -hmm. and being at your desk sometimes just is enough to reset everything. And looking at art books and looking on Behance and Dribble, I do that during the project. So I'm constantly sourcing inspiration. I might have a, like a clear idea of what I want to do, but sometimes showing that vis- visual example for, to the client to say, you know, this is the direction. So I think, yeah, when, when I can have that downtime, or I, like I schedule the downtime weekends and Wednesdays, so I've got two days of design work, then a break, two days of design work, and then two days break. And that's really helped me not feel so blah by the end of the week. Yeah, I think that's really healthy to have that space in between, yes, projects, but even space in the week to be able to breathe and step away from the computer, turn your phone off for a little while. Absolutely, Mm. absolutely. We really don't, we really take for granted how simple that kind of step is to do, like what that actually has an effect on us of, like, I don't know why we don't do it more. It's the, the the hustle culture. Let's blame the hustle culture. You feel like you're going to miss out. You're mm-hmm. going to like lose out on the algorithm if you're not finger on the pulse all the time, making the latest reel. I get it. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Now, you mentioned earlier our favorite word, imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. You know, what are your biggest struggles when it comes to keeping creative? You know, how do you get through those phases of feeling like a fraud and you know, getting through creative ruts and blocks and, you know, dealing with difficult projects. and Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I'm not sure if you've heard me talk about my feel-good files before. I started doing it before my business just when I felt, I, I think I've just dealt with this imposter syndrome for a long time without knowing what it was called but I do need that reassurance. <laughs> and so I think that's why design is good because you're constantly getting feedback, good or bad, <laughs> you know that, what path you're on. And I think sometimes, especially if you have a bad run, you know, your designs might not be hitting the mark or you might have let yourself get a little bit burnt out and, you, you know, your work's not amazing right now. And I still have those times where uh, I go back to these feel-good files and what they are is, 
it's just snippets. So it might be like a sentence in someone's email or an actual review or just what someone has said in passing. I actually take notes and it's I use Evernote, which is if anyone doesn't know, it's an app. It's a note-taking app and it's just my brain really. Everything has I'm just a huge list person. So Evernote has a note in there called feel good files. And it's every time I sort of feel less than I sort of go through. And if I, if I've done it once, I mean, what I mean is say I'm not feeling up to the job or, you know, why would they choose me? I sort of go back and look at all these amazing, beautiful things that people have said. And it sort of just gives me some courage. You know, if I've, had that impact on someone before and I might not have been feeling good at that time too. So it just sort of gives me that reassurance. But, yeah, that's one thing that helps me. I love that. Like, And we always – I know with me I've, I've got this thing that it's like it's called kind of a reminder file. It's kind of similar where you kind of dump feedback and mm-hmm. just really inspiring things and just to kind of have a look at and just remind yourself that you are capable. You can do this. You've worked hard. You deserve to be here. You deserve to be taking up space. You deserve to be working with really great clients on really great things and it's just such a simple like such a deliciously simple (laughs) thing to do like and well but it's and it's something that you know I know Helen touched on it on the second ep it's just you know and we didn't go into it too much but we were talking about as women Mm -hmm. that we kind of are taught to be a little bit more humble and be a little bit more just, oh, like it's hard to take compliments. It's hard to really take in that feedback and really own it and like, you know, be almost egotistical about it in that sense of like, yeah, you know, I know I can do it. Like, so it's, it's a really, it's kind of almost like reteaching yourself to just take it all back in again and really build that confidence up. And I think it Mm. would be across the field, not even in the creative business. I think any small business entrepreneur doing it on their own, you don't have that colleague to say, you've got this. Like you need to pep talk yourself. Like I pep talk before we started this interview. <laughs> um, you really do need to hype yourself up. And when you're not feeling great about yourself, it's really hard. So you need to sort of source it from somewhere else. And that's cool that you've got feel good files as well. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that because I'm starting to become a mentor and it's, you know, I was saying to my coach Jericho, it's hard because I'm a bit scared of taking this next step to moving away from the design and the creativity aspect of physically creating something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I said to her, it's weird because I give this advice and I can't even give it to myself. And that was kind of how the reminder file was formed because it's like take the advice you give to other people and give it back to yourself. Exactly. And it's a space to realise like you have everything it takes, you've got the wisdom, you've got the knowledge, you've got the time, you've Mm -hmm. got the experience, you've got all these little ingredients that really if you just listen to your own advice. And even if you don't have all the answers, you can probably still do it with some education and it doesn't have to be a degree. My gosh, I'm self-taught. I'm all about the Google degree. So sometimes what's holding you back is, and, and this is so true for me, it's that feeling like I don't know enough about this. They shouldn't really be paying me at all. <laughs> like there's so many more qualified people. Do you know, I, yesterday I actually had a meeting and the lady was more qualified on paper than me to do the job she's hiring me to do. And I laughed and I, I told her she's more qualified than me and It's so true. Like, yes, degrees are fab. And what I think maybe degrees would give you is that sense of, well, I am qualified to do this. Whereas when you're self-taught, there's that feeding into the self-imposter syndrome to say, you're not qualified. You know, you're such a hoax. (laughs) And and we always give ourselves this timeline as if time, and I mean, of course, time and experience is more knowledgeable and more like there's a strength there, right? Mm-hmm. But I, like I know for me, I've been wanting to be in a a more consulting space for a little while and every year I've gone, nope, I need to do another year. Nope, I need to do another year. And in some spaces, like obviously 
being a doctor and then going into a brain surgeon, very different. But, you know, like it's just we hold ourselves back even when we are talented enough and skilled enough to make that next step. Yeah. It's always there's this feeling of I need to do more. I need to have more experience. I need to have more practice. Yeah. I need to have some kind of, I don't know, some kind of like shining, I don't know. Sign. Blob. Sign, blob <laughs> thing. I don't know. That is like. Feather oh, on your I, doorstep. Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, now I've got it. I've reached it. Yeah. I've got my trophy. Now it's time. Now it's time. Do it yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I think it's something that's really hard to, you know, just put a lot of faith in yourself as well, just as a whole. I don't think anyone is ready entirely to do anything. It's just mm. those people that realize that just learn as you go and just to get started. I think the only people are in, in our way are us <laughs> and it's just the mindset, right? I remember how scared I was making like deleting those web files of the first business and being like no I'm actually going to try to make this work and it was so scary looking back on it I'm like of course that wouldn't work for x y and z but in the moment I was thinking I've put so much time into this and it's just mindset so how do you know when your creative cup needs a refill like what are the signs that you're in need of some desperate inspo yeah sure I haven't hidden this from the world that I suffer with anxiety and I know when I am getting anxiety and I've got some things that I pay attention to and it's mostly in my body like it's an actual physical manifestation of my anxiety so I get really bad reflux and I have a really tight chest and then I think about it but I get really triggered with my phone going off with notifications and email notification noises I'm like I get really startled and then it's like everything I'm looking negatively in it's like oh they want me to do this and I feel like I'm pulled in a million different ways in my job which is normally my escape in real life from my kids and husband like I just feel like everyone wants a piece <laughs> and it's because I've let myself get so run down that I've got nothing to give and that's my teller of it. sometimes I leave it until it's, you know, until I'm having a very public panic attack in the middle of Sydney, which may or may not have happened to me. Um, <laughs> and, you know, sometimes it does take something huge like that. Well, it was huge for me. I thought I was having a stroke and an ambulance was called. <laughs> but I'd really just let myself get so run down and just thinking I was superwoman and even at just like two minutes before having the actual panic attack I was still thinking I could do it all I since then I've sort of set boundaries in place like not working Wednesdays not working on the weekends sometimes I really do want to work but it's for my mental health that I need to have that break from work because it can be all-consuming and then everything sort of gets left to the wayside I think Helen was it Helen saying um sometimes the best way to sort of fill your cup is to by doing those things um to help support you so I can't remember who it was they were talking about um like doing things in your life to help support you when you're actually being creative so it might not seem like it's you're filling up your creative cup by doing the laundry and meal prepping for the week <laughs> but it actually does because then it frees up that headspace where you don't need to be thinking of all those things when you can just sort of get lost in the flow. Yeah, look, I think it's one of those things where I know personally, like for me, I can't stand clutter. Mm -hmm. And if something is just like, and it's like those putting the washing away, yeah. putting the robo back on, they're really nice privileges and nice things to be able to do. But it's like mm -hmm. I can't work until some things are done yep. because it's just it just fills up your mind and you the guilt of not doing like again I don't want to go into the whole like sexism feminist kind of roles in society roles in society but I know for me it's like I feel like I'm failing if I'm not if my house like 
there was shit everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just, and that's that feeling of I have to choose between my business and my life. But really yeah. at the end of the day, you just need to understand how to put those boundaries in place that allow you yeah. to actually live your life yeah. and alongside be, your business. To be present when you are at work and not trying to, when you're on the phone to a new client, hanging out the laundry because you're not, <laughs> as much as we think we can multitask, <laughs> We're not doing really anything great. So, yeah, I feel like when I am getting really run down, doing those things like clearing away clutter and getting to that list of things that, you know, that space has been bugging me, like let's pull the shoes out and just do a big drop to the op shop because I too hate clutter. And, yeah, if there's a massive pile of laundry looking at me and I'm trying to work, it really does distract from it. And I I know those uh, feelings you were touching on that, you feel guilty when you're not doing those things that are your job and I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> yeah, it's just let's actually let's talk about the guilt. Mm-hmm. Like where, why, why do we feel this way? Like why do you think we feel so much guilt to, you know, if we're not doing one thing mm-hmm we're automatically guilty of doing something else. You know, like, you know what I mean? It, why why can't we find this balance? Why does this feel like an, like an internal struggle constantly to try and balance everything? Why is it mm. such a juggle? Like, So a, I'm going to name drop a good friend of mine, Emma Blomfeld, she's a published author, an amazing interior decorator. She doesn't believe in balance. And it was the first person that I've heard talk about, like, there's no such thing. So she just leans into things that need her attention, like spinning plates, like this plate's wobbling, got to quickly spin that plate and then run over this one might be relationship quick, spin that plate, put a bit of energy there and just like running back and forth, which seems a lot more accessible or achievable than balance. And I do try to like I do hear her when I'm feeling guilty And sometimes it is just, okay, I need to prioritize because I can see that this area of my life isn't doing great right now. And I don't like, you know how, have you heard you can have career, you can have the relationship and you can have like not health, but like the body, but you can't have all three. You can have like two. (laughs) Like I hate I hate that. Like, I think you can really have everything that you want. You just need to, I guess, not feel those pressures as much. And it's really bloody hard to do. I really feel it. I, my husband is a doctor and I feel the pressure to just be a stay-at-home mum. I feel also the pressure to hold on to my business with white knuckles because this is mine. This is all mine. <laughs> greedy laugh Um, and it's not easy and sometimes it would be easier just working a nine to five you know as a checkout chick and nothing against checkout chicks I'm actually really envious some days I'd love to just be able to leave work and I'm done (laughs) and I yeah I I think a lot of the pressure is internal and just something we have to be okay with not being able to do maybe it all at the same time but we can do it all, just not all at the same time. Random kind of tangent, but we're talking about balance and guilt and I guess where we've kind of developed that from growing up and society and societal pressures and, you know, what we're seeing on Instagram and stuff, you know, what, what's your opinion on society's attitudes towards creative? Like, has this ever affected you in your pursuit? Like, I know you were talking about the rejection that you experienced Mm -hmm. after graduating from that. What has been your experiences of other people's perceptions of you being a creative and you doing this fun job? Yeah. Well, even as an example, my family don't really understand what I do (laughs) still. (laughs) Um, Now that I've started, well, the last few years I've been building websites as well. So that's very like they understand that. (laughs) Website, oh, yes, Jade builds websites. But branding still is quite a foreign concepts so even within my family who are the closest to me I still get those oh you know I can call you anytime (laughs) 
because it doesn't, you know, I'm not really interrupting you because you work from home. So that bothers me. But then, you know, it's my choice to pick up the phone. So (laughs) it's also a bit on me. That attitude of working from home. And I think now with lockdown, it's been really insightful for those people that do work out of like in an office And now they're like, wow, working from home is actually bloody hard. (laughs) And it is, it's hard to stay, you know, it is a challenge to stay motivated. And I think a lot of people are now having that insight. It's like, okay, they're at work, they may be at home in their four walls, but they are still at work and you should respect their time. Uh, Some preconceived notions on creatives, like I've heard that we're messy and we're late and obviously the poor artist, but I don't really buy into any of that because I'm none of those things. I'm the most clean anal person that you've ever met. I might be late every now and again. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, okay, maybe I'm late. messy yeah I'm pretty sure you were late on the day we met up so but that's okay I haven't (laughs) held that against you (laughs) yeah no just bringing it up again Danielle bloody hell just you know just bringing it up (laughs) (laughs) um one other thing too is that creatives I don't know if there's any other industry honestly that are approached so much to work for free that they're expected to do their work before they're getting before they can get paid and that trials are really expected by a lot of the big businesses looking for designers and that's something that as an industry we just need to stop doing for people no matter what the job is because it filters through and it does it shows a lack of respect I believe It's one of those things like I had a, so my husband's also creative. He's a freelance designer and we've had this conversation for many, many years when I first started out because I remember being really like just too scared to charge more than I thought was, you know, you know, industry standard. And this is not just, you know, me starting out and wanting to charge thousand dollars an hour. It was more just charging so little thinking that I wasn't already at, you know, at least a junior point or whatever. And he made a really great point. He said, you know, the problem here is that like completely understand where you you feel you're at and you don't want to rip off anyone because you're starting. What you don't realize is you and anyone else charging lower than what the industry standard is, you're actually damaging the industry because then there's no baseline Mm. because it all becomes so messy and muddy and convoluted and oh well this person can do it for 350 dollars. why would i spend three thousand exactly i was the person charging i think i was charging 580 for logo design at the start it was in a package but i thought that was so much money (laughs) yeah i was with you i charged the exact same amount and 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 an agency actually emailed me saying that i was bastardizing the industry that was a quote and i was like sure you're i'm just competition No, I wasn't. And it it, it is true. Do I agree with how they told me? No, but it it is true. We really do need to start charging industry standard. Exactly. And then that's also the line in the sand of like, well, what is industry standard? And then, you know, it's that, that whole thing of like charge what you're worth is a really, it's a loaded kind of statement. You've got low self-worth and you're going to be cheap. (laughs) And, but that's what I mean. It's exactly. just like charging what you're worth. That also is a complete variable yeah. on industry standard because there are people out there charging tens of thousands for something that mm-hmm. they actually don't have enough experience to be doing. Yeah. And, you know, a part of me is like, you know, good on them. If that's what they want to do, fine. That's not my personal moral ethic mm-hmm. approach. But, like, but then it's like, well, if they're charging X amount of money, for that, should I be charging that? And then it's that, you know, that internal kind of battle. Like, mm. yeah, just crisis of <laughs> like, oh gosh, what should I be doing? And then, you know, there's the whole don't charge an hourly rate. It's yeah. like, well, how do we measure time regardless? I like, know. how do we understand what our break? I mean, this is going into kind of like a financial conversation, but it's mindset too. The- it's money mindset. Yeah. No, I don't I don't think you should charge for what you're worth. And I I don't agree to charge for your hours only. I think there needs to be buffer in there for 
the creative process and your experience as well. And if you're charging, say, 70 an hour to 1,000 an hour, I think, yeah, it's it's a minefield for clients as well, not only for us designers trying to figure out how to price not only competitively but sometimes strategically. And, you know, when I raise my prices, I just got better clients, to be honest with you, and I got a whole lot more respect. It sort of came at a time where I was like <laughs> – I'm not putting up with anyone anymore because, um, yeah, I think designers do get the shit end of the stick sometimes with clients and people looking for a better deal and trying to body you down when you're so cheap anyway. But as soon as, yeah, I think it, it is such a mindset battle. Yeah, and the tyre <laughs> kicking as well, mm-hmm. like just – the constant questions of like barrage of questions and trying to get all the answers and then like ghost you. And I think that's hard as well because <laughs> yes. it's like you look at the ghosting and you're like, look, it's whatever. Like, what can I do about this? My personal thing is I don't chase people. Yeah. It's like, I'd if you don't want to get back to me, I'm not, what else am I going to do? But it's just even having like people just having some k- kindness and consideration to be able to say, okay, thanks. Yeah. I'll think about it. Or like, you know, you what, can we're not, we don't want to move forward. And then don't even give me a reason. Just tell me that's fine. Thank you for your time. Yeah. But let's like leave it here. You don't need to tell me why. Yeah. I think it's just it's- common courtesy to say, I'm sorry, I don't want to proceed anymore. So you don't have to wonder. But I, mm-hmm. I do, I've stopped chasing as well. I might do a follow up if we've had a meeting. I might do a follow-up email, but then that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like, you know, it's very much a what's meant for you will come to you and find you. Like that's, I, I you know, maybe that's not the smartest financial business advice, but I have found that when I have chased mm. clients, they're generally more difficult. Yes. That's just like on a sent like a percentage basis I don't know what word I'm trying to use there but when I look back at the ones that I've chased they've actually been the worst fickle and the ones that I've you know really had to break a lot of boundaries down for and Mm. make things easier for and And I mean that that in itself is a whole other conversation Um, (laughs) but it's true I think the ideal client and it doesn't have to be financial it can be just an easy client because they are so lovely to work with. And so pricing also, you have to put that buffer in. Are they going to need a lot of hand-holding? Are there going to be X amount of revisions when in the package there's only two and they want four? So I feel like pricing is on a scale and you need to scale up rather than down. You might have an easy client that is paying the higher price but you also have to factor in those um, times where you get those difficult clients that might not be 100% aligned <laughs> and you take it on because you need to and we all do it. You know, our intuition mm-hmm. might be saying don't take on this client and you do it anyway because you've got bills to pay. Then then you sort of kick yourself month into the job. I knew this one would be difficult and they are. I forget what we were talking about. That's a tangent for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I I feel like I guess when we break it all down, it's just I don't think anyone that is not a creative, that is a practicing creative for financial gain, really understands the life of a creative because they just think this is fun. They just think this is not really a serious profession. Mm. I actually mentioned to Sian in the last episode, but I I'm in a a female entrepreneurial group on Facebook. It's quite a large one. You're probably in it. Mm -hmm. And somebody had posted, I've just been charged $3,000 for branding and packaging design. Obviously, we don't know the scope of that. But, you know, the person said, is this reasonable? And really quite astonishingly, majority of comments were really positive. Like, yeah, that's actually pretty, pretty reasonable. But there were some comments that were just so disappointing mm. and and I actually wrote I wrote a, a comment on that saying you know I just want to say how amazed and thrilled that I that I can see so many positive comments I'm a brand designer myself mm-hmm. you know this would be something that I would be on par with charging what was sorry but, just to backtrack yeah was yeah. the comment positive is three thousand 
too much? Was it like am no? I it was re- is it is it reasonable? Okay, was three thousand reasonable yeah. for a brand and packaging design? Mm-hmm. Which again, we don't know the scope, yeah. but it's on par what I would be charging minimum. So yeah. I'm like, and so many people were saying that it was quite reasonable. Yeah. And so I had written saying, I'm really thrilled by how positive this is. I can't tell you, like, as a brand designer myself, the amount of times that we are treated like we are not a professional service, mm-hmm. where we are constantly barded, haggled, ghosted. Mm-hmm. It's completely fair to be asking this question. It's completely fair to be trying to understand how this situation works. Yeah but we just need to be treated like professionals. We're not We're not just in our mom's basement. <laughs> Even just if you like, are in your mom's basement, guys. Anyone that's listening yeah. in your mom's basement. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I was just thinking of like, you has got you this know, visual yeah. of someone in the basement going, damn you, daddy, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no offense Always to anybody working in their basement. I just, I just mean someone that's just not seriously doing anything you know yeah. it's like you know when we were in hobby you know, designer. just getting out of yeah hobby design or just like getting out of high school when we were editing our myspace and our blog spots you know what i mean and just doing I it do. like for thrills i'm just meeting like that's i but i think that's the perception i think mm. it's just people just feeling like oh, okay i just whip something up mm-hmm. and yeah, and it's just frustrating. I know it's I know it's not heart surgery, but it's like yeah. when we look around. And also like they're comparing sometimes apples and oranges, like with places like I'm not bad mouthing them, however, Fiverr, <laughs> Upwork, and all of those bulk, you know, post your job and it's you know, then you get all these people saying, Yes, I'll take the job, I'll do it for five dollars. And when people are designing logos for five dollars i can understand the confusion it's like okay well someone can do it for five dollars and it looks okay to me what's the difference between your three thousand dollar branding package like all you've done is give it a title but it's not it is so much more involved and that's what i really try to do on instagram is really educate on the processes and the dangers of pre-made logos and a lot of what you buy for five dollars aren't unique or original and what that is doing for your business when you skip out on actually having that foundational strategy and brand of your business worked out for you by a professional rather than someone that doesn't know you doesn't ask those questions and whips up something with your business name in it you know it does matter and some businesses are are more receptive of that now and I think with being online more and more just it's just the day and age it's becoming more and more apparent why branding works and good branding so hopefully we are getting through (laughs) yeah look I think we can absolutely agree that since COVID especially it has there has been such a boom in e-com and you act like you can see all of these success stories you know that come out of these horrible life events but yeah, I feel like it is getting better. I think, you know, we are slowly infiltrating the professional services yeah. game, but it can just be so disheartening, can it? It just, you yeah. know. Especially yeah, at the, especially when you're starting out and you might not have all of the contracts in place or the insurances in place or the boundaries to weed out those people that are out to just use, use and abuse. So I, at the start, had a client let me get to the concept stage. I didn't invoice them. There was no deposit made. Got to the concept stage and said, you know what, I don't want to work with you anymore. <laughs> and I was like, I'm, I'm happy to refine these. Like if they're not hitting the nail, like I'm, I'm happy to work on them. And then I worked with another, another artist as well, which was so like I was just so in shock that someone could treat another person in the same industry this way I designed um, a brochure for her gallery and she just ghosted me I sent her an invoice and she just didn't reply and I just didn't know what to do there I was like wasn't a lot of money but at the time it was more than that it was more (laughs) like this is what you think of me that you think you 
there is no effect of you treating someone like that in a small town as well. Um, constantly, I was amazed that businesses could treat other businesses, artists could treat other artists, that people were doing this to people because I think I had just hadn't had that experience before. Whether that's freelance life or just small business life, you do come across people that just aren't on the same, um, you know, I wouldn't do this because plane. Yeah. Some real sharks that just don't really care. Mm. And I think it's just, it comes down to that perfect little situation of younger, inexperienced designer. Too keen. Too keen, (laughs) trying to help, wanting to help, wanting to be involved. So what, where, who inspires you and your work? You know, who are some Mm -hmm. of your favourite creative friends? Where do you go? Well, I am very inspired by the designers on Instagram. Not going to lie. I follow a lot and I don't, sometimes I fall into the comparison trap, but not so much. I do feel really inspired just by people being very authentic, not so much Mm -hmm. about their designs, but just hearing other people's struggles. It helps me feel like I'm not the only one feeling like they're drowning sometimes and to see what they're doing in their career and to also know that they're struggling that is a huge inspiration for me to keep going yeah there was um do you follow abby barn wayfarer design she was honestly the first i'm sure she might not have been the first but she was the first person that i was like so in awe of her work and then she was she was one to speak up on free trials and that she turned down a huge brand because she wasn't going to work for free at the start. Um, So I love those real talks. That actually really inspires me for visual. And another um, Instagram account, Sierra Studio, it's Frank and Zan. They're amazing. They're a a couple team and they do great stuff and they bring up really interesting thought topics. They might have an angle, but it's just really interesting. I like that when people are talking about things that might be a slightly controversial. I like that because it, it's where you learn. And, yeah, highlighting the issues in our industry for clients to be educated I think is so inspirational and just being really, what's the word, just being super giving with their knowledge and not it's not a funnel tactic which you can see right through. Amen. Amen. <laughs> yes. I'm like bowing. I the and funnels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hook, line, it's and sinker a... gets me up until enter your credit card and I'm like, ah, wasted time. <laughs> <laughs> and I say this every episode and sorry, everybody, but I try to tell myself, you know, there are some huge positives of Instagram, like me and you, We'd never know each other and we also wouldn't have met each other in real life and be friends. Well, I'd like to call you a friend if that's okay. And there are those, definitely those silver linings of finding really beautiful people, making beautiful connections, being having real talk, supporting each other, joining little masterminds and groups and, you know, knowing there's always a place because doing more mentoring is, you know, I remember being on my own first starting and you know this was when my husband was not working at home and I'd be on my own just paralyzed Mm. with fear Mm. and just not even able to move when something's come up and just who do I talk to who like who do I have I can't I don't have like Dan's not home what do I do what do I say to this client what and it can be really isolating working for yourself and you do need that support network I took that question of being inspired because when you feel good and confident, that's when you do the best work. It's when you're second-guessing yourself and making so many unnecessary edits and it turns into something that you've seen before but that feels safe instead of feeling confident in your ability and actually going, you know what, this is a bit different but I'm going to give you this wild card concept and let's just see if you like it. (laughs) And if you're not in a good place mentally, and not backing yourself, you don't do that often. And I find that the times where I felt, you know, super good and super backed up and supported by you and especially you on Instagram, I I didn't like it when you had your little time off. Please don't do that again. 
<laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm also not sorry. <laughs> um, I think it's very important to find your, your support network in this crazy uh, creative life. Absolutely. Well, just to just to end this chat on that, I know that we could keep going for a bit. Um, what's your number one piece of advice for anyone listening right now that's just trying to find their place mm-hmm. and, you know, trying to build this creative life for themselves? Yep. Well, I would say it's all well and good to be inspired by people and sometimes you do reflect what you like and sometimes it's not a, you know, front and an awareness that you are actually copying someone. Try not to be a carbon copy just because it worked for them doesn't mean it's going to work for you and especially it won't work for you if it's not you and you're trying to be somebody else. So if uniqueness is what you're aiming for and finding like a true unique style and voice, I think what has helped me and honestly I still get inspired by people and I still like see someone with a really cool new font and want it for myself. (laughs) I like want to update my website every bloody month. So I get that feeling like, oh, it could be better. Uh, That looks so good for them, but it might not necessarily be what's going to work for you. So another way to find what is working for you and doing more of that is listening to your feedback, what your client's Uh, liking about your service is a really good teller of what you're doing right and to do more of that developing your own voice does take time and it changes throughout your career like what I was posting and what I was uh, writing about and how I would even draft an email in my first year is nothing like I talk now like my voice has completely changed and that is just with believing in myself and having that support network and also just learning to – it's such a power game with clients. A lot of the time keeping that power dance in your favour helps. I know I'm getting sidetracked here. Um, but I think what I'm trying to get at is we don't have it all figured out. No one has it all figured out and just don't let that stop you and just – just go and try and just tweak it as you go and grow. And this is my motto. It's always a work in progress. We're going to be someone different tomorrow. We're going to want different things. We're going to learn and grow. You know, like it can't all stay the same and it can't also be, as you said, like a carbon copy of mm. something else because, yeah, I've, you know, I've noticed definitely the more I've become more authentic and more just real talk and yeah. more sharing more about me and it's a whole different experience. And No one can copy that or yeah. they can try but it's not going to come across as if I guess you're not the face of your brand for say, let's just say you're not the face of the brand. There's lots of things people can copy and clients or people in the public might not be able to tell the difference but when you're standing up and facing your clients, that's something they're going to really – connect with people want to people typically buy off people that they like you know they they want to know who you are and it's scary it is scary at the start you just get more comfortable and again it's just that feedback when people like oh I love that you spoke about your panic attack like it really did help me because I've been suffering with that and that was a huge change and shift with you know I was I, I did fall into that game where I would just Um, post mood boards and designs and I wasn't really talking about what I was dealing with and when it's it's that like you said the real talk is where people go oh yeah Danielle from studio start oh yeah I know because that's like in my mind she said something really and it connected not a color palette I I think as well we we tend to forget and I think people that follow us tend to forget that we're humans as well you know, first and foremost, we're just humans mm-hmm. and we're just trying to make it through every day. And as I said, we're learning and growing and we're never like, we can't please everybody. We can't do everything for everybody. And we just have to kind of accept that and go, you know what? My people mm. are going to love me and yeah. love what I do. And those who don't, that's great. Cause they're not for me. They're not meant to be in this, this journey. So I was so scared to talk about mental health stuff and I'm such an advocate for it because there was that side of me and I think it was just that stigma of 
you can't talk about this. You're a business owner. No one is going to want to work with you if you're a head case. No one wants to work with an anxious wreck. Like you need to act like you've got your shit together all the time. (laughs) And one of like when I posted it and I had such a great response from everyone and it was a real like (gasps) I shouldn't have done that moment when I posted it and then like all these messages came flooding in and there was someone that I was actually talking about who we just had the discovery meeting but she hadn't sort of signed the contract and made it official and she wrote the most beautiful thing she said after reading this post I know that you're the goer like I know that you're the one that I want to work with and so just oh it was so amazing to get that feedback that everyone's going through it this is not everyone talks about it I think as well like you know it's just having heart the whole okay we're human beings but it's just also being a good person and being kind person and trying to understand what everyone else is going through and having that compassion and I think I think we're all going like we all are going through something especially right Mm -hmm. now in the pandemic and I think if not yesterday, it's today or it's tomorrow, that every day, like I know for me, every single day is different. There'll be a day where I feel absolutely numb and I can't turn on the TV and I can't even bring myself to do anything. I'll see messages. I can't reply to them. And even though I'm like, I just need to reply to that. And it's just like, I have nothing to say. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like you, I don't know what to do with my hands. (laughs) I don't know if you got that reference, but from, from Talladega Nights. Yes. For everyone anyway. listening, she's raising her hands up to her face. Like yeah. Talladega anyway. Nights. I don't know what to do with yeah. my hands. <laughs> I don't know what to do with my hands. Um, but, you know, but then like the next day and we have this, you know, we'll message each other about like do we have ADD or AD, ADHD? ADHD. It's confirmed. And we're not, we're not, that I connect to. And we're not, you know, and we're obviously not talking about this lightly, but it's just the, the polarizing roller coaster that everyone is living on right now. Yeah. It's like one day, absolutely not motivated, can't bring yourself to get out of bed, you know, haven't washed your hair in seven days, whatever. And then the next day, it's like absolute lunacy of product like being the productivity queen getting everything done yeah. smashing that to-do list mm-hmm. and then the next day it's, it's back to I don't want to touch anything yeah. <laughs> like I just don't want to look at anything I don't want to deal with anything and it's just so hard to show up in your business at the moment yeah feeling that way and I think that I, because I can hear doing absolutely everything all of the yeah. time <laughs> <laughs> it's just but you know what I mean it's I just I, it's and it's hard I know that I've been sitting on concepts for a friend that I'm it's or a gift it's I just want to say I'm not sitting on client work but it's it's something that I've been sitting on because I'm like I love what I'm doing but it's all about the day that I am sitting at my desk now and it's like am I going to feel the energy and the inspiration or am I just going to feel like this is shit why would anyone like this this is not original this is not anything special does this look like something off Pinterest? Like mm. and the the, the swirling, yeah, like the downward spiral. And so I think it's just I think we're all just struggling right now just to kind of keep it together. Yeah. Well, even pre lockdown, I related to what you were saying. <laughs> so like, yes, it's hyper hyper emotional roller coaster now. But before then, I would have days where I felt like I was Wonder Woman, Super Mum, Super Wife checking off every list, every everything, doing amazing, still having energy. <laughs> and then there's some days where I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like this hurts my heart. I just want to live in a tiny home with my dog and never see another human being ever. And <laughs> I think in those days I really try not to force work because it's it's kind of just it's wasted time where and, and some days you do have to power through it because there's deadlines. And so I find what helps is having a, like a nice balance of things. So I might have a branding, I might have a website and like websites, once that initial homepage, it's very, you don't have to use that creative side. So it's a lot easier work in that way because it's, you know, this needs to go here. It's very functional data entry type of work where branding it's it's and strategy work oh my gosh I really need to be in the headspace for that because even when someone messages you it can take you out of that 
spot that you were just in where you were just about to think of that thing that would have been amazing and someone's distracted you. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like we've only just scratched the surface of just everything creative and living a creative life. Oh, yeah. Don't you? I just feel like there's so much more to to say that I just don't think listeners will want to sit on here for like 48 hours. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. I really appreciate it. I appreciate that you did bring up a lot of the mental wellness stuff because it is something I really would like to talk about more, but I know that it's daunting for everyone right now. We all are at different stages of what we're going through, what we're feeling. And you know, this also feels so temporary, like everything just feels so temporary and up in the air at the moment. So I really appreciate you making some time to chat. Thank you. And I'm so uh, honoured to be amongst the guests that you've had lately. So whether that's a self-imposter thing or not, but I'm like, whoa, me? Really? Thanks. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share the love and leave a review. And if you've left a review, thank you so much for your support. I'm so, so grateful. You can subscribe and rate my podcast on Apple Podcasts, or you can follow along on Spotify. You can find me sharing some good stuff over on Instagram at at thiscreativelife.podcast, along with more info about the podcast and any resources mentioned in this episode at thiscreativelife.com.au. Until next time, keep creating.